Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans, especially you high school tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball UR Tennis Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, bringing you the FHS TCA perspective on high school tennis. We're kind of the new kid on the block, only in a, well, we've got two full years plus now of uh, doing the broadcast, and uh, we're proud to... uh, Join the uh, fine group of shows that uh, J.P. Weber and We Coach Tennis, uh, the executive director of the network, uh, allows me to join the group. Uh, I do recommend that if you're uh, not listening to Lisa Stone and her Tuesday Parent of Ace show, that you might want to listen to it. It'll give you a rundown right from uh, junior tennis all the way into uh, college. And, of course, speaking of college tennis and more, uh, legendary uh, Clemson uh, coach Chuck Reese. I shouldn't say that because he's at the Citadel uh, University, the great university there, uh, has his American tennis on each and every Wednesday. Uh, you younger coaches, if you're not listening to that broadcast, uh, I think you're missing something. The great thing about uh, our profession and uh, coaching tennis is that most of the coaches are willing to go out there and share their knowledge with you and uh, help you in uh, any way they can. And, of course, Chuck Greasy is not only uh, shares his uh, knowledge uh, uh, his book, uh, Coaching Dennis, but uh, for the last five years he's been doing a broadcast, and he's uh, one of the uh, presenters that we're blessed to have at uh, January 5th, 6th, and 7th uh, FACA workshop in Daytona Beach. Uh, I think our agenda you can find on our website, www.fhstca.org, and uh, I think you can see that um, our three-day workshop, the tennis portion of it, is equal to any of the workshops you're going to go to in the country, and we're blessed to uh, have uh, people coming from as far away as Kansas uh, to Florida to make presentations, and of course Chuck Reese will be our uh, featured keynote uh, speaker there. Today's guest is another gentleman that uh, I wish we, uh, I think he is going to be here in January, unfortunately not the uh, uh, days and weeks of our show, but uh, we uh, hopefully will get uh, Dr. Ellen Fox on uh, sometime. Uh, each week on our broadcast, you could be hearing from high school, college, or professional coaches, or uh, another legend like uh, today that's uh, not only an author or tennis pro, but somebody that I think uh, reflects what we talk about often on the broadcast. And we'll get that to, to you in a little bit. But I think you, uh, you know, we are blessed to have uh, Alan Fox on today, and what he has done is just extraordinary. But in other weeks, you will uh, see that uh, our guests will include educators, uh, organization leaders from the FACA, PTR, USPTA, USTA, and of course others. And according, uh, additionally. 
you're going to hear some of our uh, partners on there. Uh, Wilson uh, Tennis has been a main part of our uh, organization for years. Uh, they uh, not only will be uh, giving away all kinds of uh, goodies at our uh, FACA workshop uh, January 5th, 6th, and 7th, but uh, they also uh, do the same thing uh, and May at our annual uh, All-Star event where we try to send our high school colleges off to high school tennis players off to college with fond memories. And, of course, those players and coaches always look great uh, because um, Team Connection Tennis, who is the FHSTCA clothier, uh, dresses those players. So, uh, they're not only are they a fine-looking group of players, but they're they're on their journey uh, through the next part of their journey through life, going to college, and we're blessed to be able to uh, send them off for an all-star event uh, each year doing that. And part of that there, especially for the last uh, couple of years, we, we have to thank uh, Ron Scalzo. Uh, he received our community service. Uh, award this year, and um, Flagler Insurance has, uh, along with uh, Roxanne Malone Dentistry, have taken care of the lunches for our uh, all-star players uh, every year. Like I started to say, uh, I feel blessed today because I think I not only uh, have an outstanding show for you, uh, but our guest is, is a gentleman that I think has taken the route that you've seen me, you've heard me talk about uh, quite a bit in the last two years on this broadcast. And you've seen uh, those of you that uh, do uh, read Florida Tennis, uh, my article's in there. You've heard me talk about the journey and how I feel it's important going through college. Uh, uh, you have also heard me uh, say every uh, uh, broadcast uh, that uh, I, I've asked the question, is high school tennis, uh, your high school, is it an after-school sport and an after-school or an after-school activity. And uh, and I understand after-school activities are so important to our educational system and need it and, and important. Uh, but I do believe after-school sports uh, and competition is just so important. And uh, Dr. Fox, our guest today, and I think I see him on, I will go to him, um, one of his four books, uh, he talks about that, and of course, uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but in every other sport, um, the journey is through high school, and I think we've got to sit there and uh, make sure that the, the tennis journey is through high school. As a matter of fact, we talked about Florida tennis uh uh, and I told you you can find our agenda for the January workshop online, or you could go the next issue of Florida Tennis will have the uh, agenda in there uh, too. And um, my article in the next issue is about uh, asking the question. It will actually be a two-part article on uh, high school tennis. Is it an after-school sport or an after-school uh, Activity. Uh, let me see. I think uh, Dr. Fox, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm. I'm here and waiting and ready. Okay, Alan, you're not. Uh, I don't want you to wait too long. I do want to say I've uh, usually at the last five minutes of the broadcast I give the John Denise perspective. Uh, I will go into that just a little now because I have been. On, uh, with the elections, I got caught up with them. I've been on Facebook more than uh, normal. And the media drives me crazy with having outstanding guests on there. And uh, the questions. Uh, are, hey, John, are, are you afraid that 
that I will be so so uh, dull that I will drive off your 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 listeners. You won't get to have your perspective on it all. They won't listen to it. Although that's that's the least <laughs> of my worries because uh, everybody knows that that is never on. Uh, I mean, not always on. It all depends on our guests. What I was about to say. I think I told you before, and I'll remind you again, you're the star of this show. So if my questions start to become too long, or if I start to interrupt you, just please interrupt me and say, Coach, you know, I have something to say. So I'm going to try not to um, do that. But I think I should uh, bring out that uh, I've talked often that I, I think the journey for many Good high school players should be through uh, college, and of course, you know, you being going through USC and being uh, all American, and uh, then being going to play uh, Davis Cup and uh, Wilmington. Uh, selfishly, we all have our home biases, <laughs> but I think your journey is uh, is, uh, is an important journey because everybody's not going to make that journey into the pros. And uh, I've told the people in the introduction and, I, and on our social media uh, that if they're not reading uh, your four books, shame on them. They should be. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they're all great, uh, you know, and, and I think probably most people are more weird than, uh, uh, you know, if I'm the better player, why can't I win? I know I, I was uh, fascinated with that for a while and then think to win. But I must admit that uh, tennis winning the mental match uh, is kind of a favor for me because you get into the winner mind and you analyze and, uh, the nature of competition. And, I, and I'm afraid competition has become a bad word. And yeah. I often say that the people coming from high school are going to compete if it's in college or if they go into the business go into business or anything, and you talk about that book. So while all the books are great, uh, truthfully, that's my favorite. Um, tell the, 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 everybody knows about you, but please uh, introduce yourself properly. <laughs> that, that, that's an, a bit of embarrassment, John. I mean, uh, but I, I guess I'll quickly throw in my background. Uh, I got a a bachelor's degree in physics from UCLA, and I went on to get a doctorate in psychology there. Uh, I played on the tennis team and uh, won the NCAA singles and doubles and uh, played on the tour for a number of years. And uh, during that time, I won the United States National Hardcourt Singles Championship. Uh, I won Cincinnati. I won the Canadian Nationals. Uh, and reached the quarterfinals at Wimbledon. Uh, played Davis Cup a number of times. I was a uh, a very good player, but not a great player. I was like a very, very tough second echelon player. Uh, somebody today that might be about 20, capable maybe of beating the best players in the world on a given day, but not as good as they are. Uh, I was much better mentally than I was physically. You know, I, I, I'm somewhat small of stature. I was 5'8 at the time. <laughs> I'm not 5'8 anymore. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I was uh, very good at sort of uh, concentrating and figuring out ways to attack an opponent, uh, an opponent's weaknesses, somewhat like Brad Gilbert, who I coached. Uh, at Pepperdine. Uh, anyway, uh, you uh, on the tennis channel sometime. I know you're not only a mentor of it, but a big supporter. And it's uh, God. Uh, I, I agree with you. It's obvious uh, you're an excellent uh, author, though, and um, I, I think what you contributed there is so important. And I and I would like to get into discussing uh, a couple of those things because I I think sometimes as coaches we get caught up, and I plead guilty in my early days uh, of getting 
too involved, uh, actually not too involved, but the strokes became more important in the condition than, than the uh, uh, thinking well, mentally. Simpler, John. It, it, it is simpler to work on strokes than it is on the mental game. The mental game is uh, ephemeral. But, but let me mention something just to start with, and that is at one time I used to think uh, after school sports, you know, maybe they shouldn't be uh, such an important thing to the student. Maybe the student ought to focus more on the academic studies. But over the years, I actually realized that the after-school sports, in particular sports like tennis, but maybe uh, any of the sort of singular difficult sports, uh, are probably better for, for handling and learning about the real world than anything you learn in the classroom. In, in, uh, on the tennis court, you learn you know, how, to, how to control your emotions, or you lose, of course. Uh, you learn to handle disappointment. Uh, you, you, you learn how to plan. You learn how to uh, try to understand uh, your opponent's strengths and weaknesses and, and, and have game plans and so forth. These are all things that you use in the real world, particularly in business. And so uh, something like tennis is, is, is more valuable, in my opinion, than, than, than any of the academic stuff. I mean, you'll use the stuff you learn on the tennis court a lot more than you'll use uh, uh, geometry, for instance. And I'm not knocking geometry. It, 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 it's useful as far as it goes, but, but, you know, the reality of the tennis court, the no excuses, the nobody's interested in your, in your excuses, it's performance, that sort of thing, that prepares you for the real world. So I just wanted to throw that in for for anyone that happens to be listening before we got well, I into think that's an, I think that's important. And uh, uh, I, I, I've often said, you know, competition, I think we've sometimes we're making it too easy and that we should, you know, competition is not a dirty word. And, of course, uh, in the winner's mind, you talked about, you know, analyzing the nature of competition and uh, competitiveness. And I, I think that uh, I'd like to get into that just a little bit. Uh, I mean, hey, you know, people you got, that you are, got my blessing. Do it. Go ahead. Now, it, it, do you want me to discuss why it is that we want to win so much? What, 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 what makes that feel so important? Uh, yeah, I think that's important. I think I, I loved your talking about the unconscious fear in the book, and you know, you go where you want to go. All right. Well, let me fire up on the winning issue, and and, and okay. that is, uh, you know, tennis. For those of you that get into it to any depth, you spend some time, you practice, and so forth. You play matches, and and it feels important to win. Okay, and and. You may ask yourself, well, why would it feel important? It's just a game. I mean, it, does it really matter whether I win or whether I don't win? And, and of course, the answer is no, it doesn't really matter. Uh, your life will go on, win or lose. But, but the reason it feels important is because we are genetically programmed to want to win. That's our nature. It's in our DNA. Uh, and, and the reason, there, there's always a reason things are in the DNA. Uh, and the general reason, the usual reason, is that it, it has survival value. In other words, it's programmed in there because at one time or another, it, it, it helped some group of people uh, stay alive and have children and support them, as opposed to their genes dying out. Uh, and so why do we want to win? Because we're a social species to start with. Human beings, we are like wolves or chimpanzees, we're made to work in groups. And all groups, all social species uh, have a hierarchy uh, of, of social position. They, they, their individuals are ranked according to, you know, some, some are ranked higher than others. And, you would, and, and so we human beings are very much like that. In other words, we have rankings and and much of our effort 
is designed to improve our ranking. I mean, that's why rich businessmen want to make more money. They don't need it. It just improves their ranking relative to other businessmen. And, and uh, people want to have nice homes and nice cars and nice clothes, uh, jewelry and so forth. All of those things are not survival issues anymore. Uh, they are ranking issues. And, you'd say, and so ranking is extremely important to us. It's in our DNA of wanting to be ranked high. And so why is that in there? Because when you think about it, 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 it was we were programming our DNA probably 50,000 years ago in small groups. And, and if, if you were ranked high and food became scarce, you would be the one to get it. If you were ranked low and food became scarce, you were going to be the one to starve. So obviously it, it, would, be, it would pay to be the high-ranking one. Uh, and, and if you didn't care if you were ranked high or ranked low, then you'd be ranked low. Because to get ranked high, you had to, in those days, fight for it, just like, just like wolves do, or chimpanzees or lions, all the social species, their rankings are determined by either fighting or threatening to fight. Uh, I'm almost getting to the punchline, John. Hang on with me for one more moment. Uh, and so human beings probably did it the same way. I mean, they weren't going to give you the food and then they're going to starve because you're a nice guy. They did it because you were stronger than them. This is 50,000 years ago. Uh, and so... A tennis match feels very important because essentially it's a fight. It's very much uh, like a physical fight, except you can't hit a person. And so you're using all the elements that you would use in a physical fight. You know, physicality, you know, athletic ability, intelligence, will, determination, uh, you know, all those traits that come into it. You know, can you take it, you know? <laughs> Uh, your ability to hang in there when things get tough, uh, these would all be elements of, of use in winning a fight. And so that's what it feels like. You know, it's, it's a, a tussle, a struggle, and, and, and it feels important. And, you know, is it? No. But, but the, the ability to do it and the uh, practice in doing it is very useful to your character. It's, it's good for you as a person. And so that's why I'm, uh, I've had both my kids play tennis and play tennis tournaments. Um, I didn't make them play tournaments. They, they liked it. But, but not because I care whether they get good at tennis, really. Uh, I, I wanted it for the life lessons because that's what the world's like out there. You know, you, you, you need these, these elements that you learn in tennis matches and in practice and your work ethic, all of that stuff. Anyway, that's the scoop. That's the sort of the basic scoop that we're dealing with uh, in, in, in a tennis match. Very good. And when you're talking about uh, the unconscious uh, fear of failure nullifies the will to win, like the, business, the person that is a fairly successful business person and they're looking at investment there and they – uh, or should say an opportunity, which is an investment, they're afraid to take that is because they're fear of not moving up that ladder of success. It's similar then to an, a, a good junior that's afraid to move up in tournaments because they're afraid, they're, the fear, um, is that not correct? Well, uh involved in this desire to win that everybody has is also the fear of failure, the fear of losing. So those two uh, somewhat clash. They somewhat clash. I mean, the desire to win is the predominant one, but, you know, the fear of failure is it goes right along with it. And so, you know, the guy that's investing, I mean, his fears are really obvious and simple. Didn't want to lose his money. Okay. And, of course, I guess in, today, in today's world, uh, 
in, in at least in America, uh, at least in most of the America that I know, anyway, most people aren't going to starve if they lose their money. You know, they're going right. to move down the social uh, ladder, but they're not going to starve to death and die like they would have 50,000 years ago. So I guess in that sense, losing your money is somewhat uh, akin to just uh, losing social status. Uh, right. The same as a tennis match. I mean, the loss in the tennis match is the, is, is the fear of, of, uh, of being disgraced, of being beaten up, of losing the fight, and being subs- uh, subs- uh, sub- not, not submissive, I shouldn't say that, but, but being an underling relative to your opponent. Your opponent, by beating you, has proved superiority to you. So your opponent moves ahead of you in, in, in the ranking of who's ranked higher than who. And so that's a very unpleasant thought and a scary one. And, and so people do a lot of things that, uh, unconsciously that, that hurt them as competitors because they're afraid of losing. And so it's a, it's a tricky balance, you know, between this fear of failure and desire to win and do well. And, and and fear of failure is a is a normal problem that has to be overcome in a tennis match. This year, it seemed at least it seemed to me, and I mentioned it uh, on a few broadcasts, uh, and then more so, I think at least I, to me, I saw, thought more on the men's side than the women's side. I see people. Or I'll quote unquote injured, so they have to retire. I looked at mm-hmm. a lot of that, and I thought it was quitting. And is that part of that? Is the fear of failure there? That you know, I didn't really, you didn't really beat me, but you know, I was injured. Well, we're into the whole area of excuse making, uh, uh-huh. and people make excuses exactly as you mentioned. Because, because it doesn't feel like you're really lost, so you don't have to face the, I don't know, it's just overstating it, but the disgrace of losing. I mean, if it wasn't your fault, then it's okay. You didn't really lose. The person's not better than you. They didn't beat you up. And so maybe that's more uh, acceptable. Uh, but excuses are a tricky one. Uh, trickier than when you'd think, because uh, when somebody else makes an excuse for something like my leg was bad, or the sun was in my eyes, or I don't play well in the wind, or I broke my favorite racket and I'm having to use a borrowed one, things like that. Uh, when your opponent makes excuses, those are obvious excuses. You don't accept them as anything but excuses. Uh, when you make them, they're real. For instance, you know, and, and so, for instance, just as an example, let's say you're playing a match and, and, and you have a sore leg, okay, and you lose the match and you tell your opponent you had a sore leg. Does that mean you're making excuses or you're an excuse maker if it was real and maybe did contribute to your loss or even cause it? So that's that's the issue. In most cases, by the way, the excuses are real, okay? I mean, people do have these problems. Maybe they don't play well in the wind, or their favorite racket was broken. Now, the question that nobody that you can't really answer very well is: is that an, did that really cause them to lose? And you know, nobody will really know the answer. Uh, but but the, the real bottom line, if I had to boil it down on excuses, is that, you know, unless you're going to talk to your coach and need to see the trainer because of an injury, uh, you should keep your mouth shut about excuses in general. Nobody really is interested in your excuses, and they don't take your excuses seriously anyway. Uh human nature being what it is. I mean, most people are interested in themselves. They're not terribly interested in your excuses. And, and in making excuses, you only make yourself look weak. You know, they think 
basically you're, you're lying that it is it's not real or if it's real it's it's not what made you lose uh and 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 finally when you make excuses it, it's obvious that you're trying to uh reduce your own responsibility for a loss you want to make the loss the fault of some outside force you know some unfortunate <laughs> I, I i give you in my, I, I coached. By the way, I, I forgot to mention, I coached at Pepperdine for 18 years. I coached the men's team. Uh, you and good also morning, coach. You an empire there. You know, what do you mean? You coached. You be, that, they became a uh, giant in uh, college tennis because of you. Yeah, I did build the program originally, somewhat, but uh, and, and coached on the pro tour. By the way, uh, a, a Russian. Uh, who eventually won the Kremlin Cup and, and beat Safin in the final. So uh, I've run into the same problems with college coaching and on the pro tour and with uh, uh, with consulting clients, which I, I do all the time by telephone. I consult with players who are having uh, difficulties with some of these mental issues. Um, they're all the same. I, you know, just a matter of degree. Everybody's got the issue, and the issues are emotional, of course. Uh, but when it comes to excuses, you know, the best thing to do is is, is not to make them. Uh, don't tell anybody, even if it's real. You know, just keep in mind you sort of bite your tongue and go, eh, nobody's interested, and, 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 and I, I will just look like an excuse maker if I tell somebody. Uh I would add one other thing about that, and that is, as a college coach, that was the one area where a college, where a coach really can't be sure. Like one of my players tells me his leg is sore. I mean, I don't know how sore sore is. You know, like what is how it it means, as Bill Clinton said, or one time. I mean, I don't. I, you you can't know how much pain another person feels other than they tell you or you're guessing. So, you know, the coach is always in the unenviable position of saying, you need to play anyway, forget about it. Or, you know, you shouldn't play. Uh, I would say something about that, though. Uh, uh, Am I going on too long there, John? No, 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 no. I'm going to make sure you go on. I have even more questions. I told you before, this is your show. For 45, 50 minutes... You're you're it. People don't. I will, I'll, I'll finish up on the uh, on the injury aspects, and, and okay. that I, I just an opinion, and that is the way I looked at injury, and this was in my own personal experience with them. Uh, if the injury doesn't, if you're play, if if you have something that's bothering you, and you go play with it, and it doesn't get any worse then in my experience, and this isn't 100%, you've got to take everything with a grain of salt slightly, but it will, then it will probably get better. You can keep, you can keep playing with it because it will get better. You always have this, this issue as a player. When something's sore or bothering you, you go, when should I lay off? You know, I have a tournament coming in, in a week. Should I lay off and, and, and try to heal it, or should I keep playing with it so I'll be in practice when the tournament comes? And so, in my experience, if it doesn't get worse when you play with it, it will eventually get better. Uh, should you lay off? I, I don't know. But I, I will tell you one thing, that a lot of stuff heals while you're playing more than you think. Uh, and, and, and I'll give you examples of that, or one example that I had personally. And that is, when I used to play, we, 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 we had didn't have good uh, tennis shoes like they have today like Wilson uh, puts out. Uh, we had, we had uh, you know, shoes that had flat bottoms. And so I, would, I, I was a fanatic practicer, and I would play five or six hours a day, and I would run after every ball hard in practice. Uh, and, and so my feet would get very, very sore. They did. And not, not when I was in the juniors, but they did later. They would just get very, very sore uh, when I was on the tour. And, so, and sometimes I'd have to get up 
At least certainly when it was when I was in college, this would happen. I would have to get up, and I could hardly stand on my feet. I would have to kind of hold onto the wall and work my way to the bathtub and put on the hot water and soak them for about 10 minutes. And then I could walk on them, okay? And then when I'd go out to play, I'd walk on them. I'd go out to play, and I couldn't make certain moves because my feet hurt. But I could still play. I could still run. I couldn't, like, you know, make every move I wish. Uh, but that's how it was. And, and, and late in my career, I used to tape my feet, both of them, tape both ankles and feet. Uh, years after I was done playing, this must have been, about, you know, 20 years after I played, I had some foot problem, and I went to a, uh, a foot doctor, and he took x-rays of my feet, and he said, you know, Alan, he says, look at this here. You have two or three, I don't remember who said two or three, or three or four old stress fractures that healed. <laughs> Looks like you had stress fractures here. Look at this and that. And they all healed while I played. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if I advise that to everybody, but, but these injuries do tend to heal if you don't push it. I mean, you just... You know, you just don't make certain moves or you don't hit certain shots because you don't want your arm to hurt more or hurt. Right. Now, uh, another example, actually, when I was in my junior year at UCLA, my wrist got sore. And that didn't stop me from playing. I could hardly, my right wrist got so sore I had to shave with my left hand because my wrist hurt so much. But I kept playing anyway. I went out. And for the first 10 minutes, I would have to warm up really easy, you know, and it would gradually warm up. And it was obviously inflammation. Uh, and, and it would gradually warm up. I never went to the trainer about that stuff. I just played with it. And it would warm up. And I couldn't hit certain shots, but basically I could play with it, and I did. And I could, you know, play reasonably well. If my shoulder hurt, I would just serve easier, you know, and still play the rest of my game. It wouldn't. None of that stopped me from playing tournaments, you know. Uh, and I think the only thing you have to worry about, I know at, you know, 76, I just, uh, you know, you, you wonder about I have feet problems and uh, uh, it just, uh, you know, do you pay the, are you paying the price for being uh, too, too long in them? And uh, but who knows? Let me ask you Not now, uh, actually. And I wouldn't advise any of this for older players. I mean, this was when I was young and healed. You, know, you yeah. get older, you don't heal so well. So <laughs> this th is advice for the young, by the way, for the right. high school players. They heal quite well. Yes, uh, they do. And along those lines, by the way, if you get a muscle injury, that's going to heal relatively quickly you know, a few days, a week maybe. Uh, if, you get, if you get tendon or ligament injuries, those are slow. Small blood supply, and they heal slowly. So, uh, and I would divide, one, one other thing is if you pull a stomach muscle, get an abdominal pull. That was the one pull I found that was very tricky, slow healing, and, and it's the one that, that one will tend to come back. If you get a muscle pull in the abdomen, you know, it would be wise to lay off like an extra week. Don't serve. Or don't hit overheads uh, because that, that one tends to come back. Uh, that's my trainer yeah. advice for anybody. Let's a advice, if you would, a little mental advice. What, is, what do you think, uh, in your opinion, what is the most common mental difficulty of players uh, have today? Or is it different today than it used to be? Nope. It's exactly the same as it always is. I would say the players are weaker today mentally than they used to be. Uh, and, and the reason they are is because in today's uh, climate, uh, social climate, people listen to their excuses more. You know, when I was playing and growing up, I mean, nobody would listen to your excuses at all. <laughs> there was no sympathy for your excuses, so everyone tended to be mentally tougher. Uh, 
I would say the, the, the number one problem, uh, uh, boiling it down, uh, the, the, the mental problems are really emotional problems. Okay, they're emotional problems. They lead to bad thinking lots of times. It's, you know, uh, but but they they are inherently emotional. Uh, they come from the fact that you can't control the outcome. I mean, you're playing a match and you want to win, but you might lose. And because of that, and you're trying hard, and it lasts a long time, and because of, because of that, matches get stressful, okay? And people get nervous. They want to win, and they get nervous. Uh, and so they tend to play better in drills, and in practice they hit the ball better because they're not worried about losing or missing. When people worry about missing and losing, they start changing their stroke and they get tight. They, they, they get tight and they start to muscle the ball rather than relax and, and, and swing the stroke using the body and relaxing the arm. Uh, and so the trick, the number one trick, trying to overcome this sort of thing is to try to understand or uh, accept that, that you have habits. The game is played by habit when you're in a match. Practice is for developing habits. In other words, practice is repetition and repetition until a habit becomes well-formed. Then when you get into a match, you try to control the emotions so that the habit can come out properly. Uh, and that, that's the essence of, of the competing. It, it's more difficult than you would think because you're afraid of missing. You're afraid of losing. And so it's, it's not quite as relaxing as it is when you're just whacking forehands against a ball machine. There you can relax because it doesn't matter if you miss. When you play a match, it matters. Uh, but, but essentially, the, the, the cure, I don't know, if it, I shouldn't say cure because there's no total cure for any of these problems. You can make them better or you can make them worse. But generally, you can't make them go away entirely. In other words, you can't make the fear of losing or the desire to win, you know, go away completely. I mean, you always want to win, and there's always some fear of losing or uncertainty against somebody that's as good as you are. Okay? You, you know, if they're as good as you or better, you know, there's, of course, a certain uncertainty and fear aspect uh, and that has to be overcome. And, and it is hard to relax and play your normal game under pressure. That's the number one problem players have is they get under pressure and, and the strokes start to deteriorate. They start to worry and, 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 and the game uh, suffers. So most of, most of my work is, is aimed at trying to get them to be more relaxed and be able to play more in a in a match the way they do in a drill or a practice. Not easy. Great yeah, you're right. When you start, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it. It you know, it, it it takes great discipline. And obviously, when when you're confident and you think you're gonna win, you're playing somebody you think you can beat. Yeah, you play a lot better in general. You can be more relaxed because you think you're gonna win. It's the uncertain situation that's the tough one. Again, somebody about as good as you where you're uncertain as to what the outcome's going to be. That, 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 that's the trick. That, that's the difficulty. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's interesting. I have another question for you. And uh, I think back 25 years ago when my son uh, was with me, the John Denise School of Tennis was actually named for him, not for me. But uh, we used to have discussions, and I always wanted to bring a woman coach. When I coached high school, I actually did do that, uh, had uh, women coaches with me, although I still wound up coaching the girls. I had co-coaches and had them work with the boys. But I, I do believe there's a gender difference. Mentally, is there... Is there a difference? Is there something that we can help people with between women and men when coaching 
women and coaching men. I mean, uh, uh, well, my son used to always say to me, Dad, why are you worried? Why do you want a woman? You you have you work more with women than you do with men. But I just, you know, truthfully, there were certain things I didn't want to get involved with, and I and I did because I was older and I didn't want one of the younger pros. I was trying to avoid problems. Really, who wanted to, you know, worry about an old coach, uh, you know, with a younger girl, but. What young coaches, what should they know? Is there a difference between the women players? Well, uh, despite what uh, modern uh, sociology might uh, try to convince people that the men and the women are the same, (laughs) they're obviously different creatures. I mean, of course, there are many similarities, but, but we're designed... We were designed for different purposes. We evolved for different purposes. So, of course, our mentality is somewhat different. You know, we both can be rational, but we're both inherently emotional creatures. Uh, Emotions are what drives all of us, men and women. They're just slightly different. Uh, uh, Let me just stop for one second and put in a pitch. I had a co-coach, a co-head coach with me in my later years at Pepperdine. Uh, a a gentleman named Richard Gallion, who's the head women's coach at USC. Uh, And he's a brilliant, brilliant coach, handles the women great. Uh, One of my other players is the women's coach at at, uh, uh, Loyola, Marymount, uh, Augustine Moreno, another fine women's coach. And, And the women's coaches have to be more adept uh, at, at handling women tend to be more emotional than men uh, and, and, and more socially emotional than men. Uh, they they, they uh, are trickier to handle. I mean, because it's tricky to handle emotional issues because you, you, you can't directly get to emotions. In other words, you can directly get to logic. You know, one and one is two, and it's it, it's two to men and women and anybody. You know, that's just a, a logical concept. Uh, but getting to somebody's emotion when they're running and, and, and affecting them and controlling them in some way is extremely tricky and difficult. Uh, with the men, you can tend to be much more direct and uh, I shouldn't say harsher, but maybe harsher might be the word, you know, shut up and go hit tennis balls, shut up, quit complaining and start working on your back end. You can say that to men, you know, it's, it, it, it's trickier to say that to women, you know? Uh, and so it, 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 it takes some sort of uh, more subtlety and more expertise uh, that's why I, I have to hand it to Richie Gallion and Augustine Moreno. They are very, very good and very, uh, care- you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I would be probably better with men as a coach than women. Uh, although the psychological issues that I discuss are the same. Uh, I, 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 as many of my clients are women as men. Uh, but, but I do see that they are more emotional the emotions are deeper or maybe closer to the surface than with men. Uh, I mean, you, you can't just kick butt with women, whereas you can kick butt with men. I mean, so, so sometimes after a loss, one time our, our team went to uh, Florida, and, and, and we took a couple of losses. We had a four-way deal. And I knew my guys were down, and I was thinking of what to do about it, and, and my approach was to say to them, hey, you guys are better than this. This was my team talk, by the way. I said, you guys are better than this. There's no way that you lose to teams like this. You know, they, they are not of your quality. I'm going to take you guys out to the track, and, I, and, and, and you guys are going to run your butts off, you know, it, 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 to make up for this loss. This is... This is not not proper for you, uh, not something that should happen. It, it, and they actually wanted to be slightly punished. It wasn't a horrible punishment. They went out and ran 
two miles or something. Uh, but it was an indication. I wanted to indicate by doing that 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 they're better than that, and they mustn't go away with their tail between their legs. That they're not as good as these other teams. That they should say we're better than that, and we didn't put out enough. Okay, or we weren't ready, or we weren't in good enough shape. Whatever. Uh, but but I wanted them to feel they were better. I don't know that I would do that with women. Okay, yeah, there, there are. Go ahead. No, I would just say there are differences. I mean, in working with some of the tour ladies, I found that a lot of the women don't really like this head-to-head competition. Men uh, are competing with each other ever since they're little kids. That's that's what they do. Uh, but the women tend, like several, after they were done with the tour, they told me that, they were very happy not to have to compete anymore. They never liked it, and they're happy not to do it. Uh, the women will tend to like the drilling better than the matches. Many. I shouldn't say all. Of course, there are, you know, substantial differences. But they will tend to want to drill rather than play matches. Uh, the women on the women's tour tend not to practice with each other. Uh, the men, they all practice with each other. But the women, they want to hit with their coaches. They don't like to hit as much with the other women. And, of course, there are, is the grudge-holding aspect, you know. And, 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 and the women are just more subtle than men. I mean, they're just more subtle. You really, the men will tell you how it is more quickly. The women may not, you may not really know what they're thinking as well. They, they 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 will tend to, you know, hold it back, or they'll tend to be much more, uh, what should I say, sensitive to your inflections of voice, and 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 the men will be less sensitive to that. The women will pick up little cues, whereas the men won't see them, uh, and that's that's probably genetic. Yeah, uh, I, let me give you like, a little uh, example. Let me let me give you an example, John, of something that's a, an interesting little experiment. They did this experiment many years ago. I forget who and where, but but the experiment was they told these these were students, which are usually the ones they use in psych experiments at, at college. They they took them and 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 they said to them, they put them in a room and they said, you know, you'll need to wait here for a few moments before the experiment starts. And so they put them in a room by themselves, a small room. And then when they came out, they gave them a piece of paper and said, please write down everything you noticed in the room. Every little aspect of it, write it down. You know, the color, you know, was there a flower pot over here? Was there a, you know, a chair over there? You know, all the stuff that you noticed. And what they were looking for was differences between men and women in how much stuff they noticed, okay? And it turned out the differences were enormous. I mean, the men wouldn't even know what color the room was sometimes, whereas the women might have a 100 things they noticed, every little thing they they saw it. And so why there are these differences, I'm not sure, Uh, but they do exist, Uh, and my wife will tell tell me. I mean, I'm looking for something in the refrigerator. I can't find it. <laughs> my wife opens know, up the door. Oh, it's right here. Yeah, it's right here. Didn't see it. How is that possible? Huh? Well, that's doctor, that's how it is. I can't believe it, doctor. But we've gone through just about an hour. Before uh, before I let you go. Would you please just uh, spend the next couple minutes and tell the people how they can contact uh, you? I'm going to put this uh, broadcast on our social media and the people that uh, we're associated with, and uh, with your permission, I'll put it on yours too. But uh, please let the people know uh, how... Uh, they can get, uh, I know how they can get your books and everything, but how they can contact you. All right. Well, John, thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. First, number one, thank you for having me on, John. 
I appreciate it. Um, they can reach me through my website. It's allenfoxtennis.net. A-L-L-E-N-F-O-X and tennis, all one word, dot net. Uh, and there they can reach me. They can uh, send me messages. Uh, I guess they, they could uh, email me uh, at Allen, A-L-L-E-N, Fox, Fox, twice my last name, at msn.com. Uh, and that would be, the purpose would be for consulting uh, or purchasing my books. They can do that on the website. They can also hire me as a consultant on my website. Uh, and and uh, most of my consulting, I would say 98% of it is done by telephone uh, because it's physically inconvenient because I consult with people all over the country. Uh, and so they can... They can uh, get me on my website, and 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 we do it by telephone. Uh, I also well, speak. I thank, at, oh, sorry. I thank you me. for uh, giving us this time, uh, Doctor. It's been uh, enjoyable for me. Uh, like I said on our uh, website, if you uh, haven't, uh, if you don't have the book, shame on you. Go out and. Uh, and <laughs> thank you, John. And, but uh, I, I do uh, appreciate you sharing time with us, and uh, uh, I also, uh, hopefully, I always tell people, go, the, the, the best coaches, in my opinion, are coaches that are willing to share things with you and, and not try to hide it. I know some young coaches think that they invented something new and this is going to, be the greatest thing uh, in most cases, though. And I was no different 50 years ago either. I'm not picking on uh, right. young coaches, uh, but um, it's something that in most cases have uh, been around. I do need to thank, uh, I do need to remind everybody that uh, next week's uh, uh, Broadcast. We're going to have Rob Krawcheck on, and uh, his son, of course, is on the tour now. Uh, he'll be talking about their hitting wall, and uh, most of the coaches talk about how important that is. Uh, we uh, will not have a broadcast on Thanksgiving. I will be celebrating uh, with uh, my family. I do want to thank Wilson and Team Connection. I will remind you. Uh, you know, to contact them. They're the Team Clothier, uh Flagler Insurance. Uh, these are, like any not-for-profit organization, these are the things that allow us to keep doing the things that we do that we think are uh, important. Uh, this is another week that I never uh, did get to uh the John Denise perspective because I only have a minute left, but like I and it's probably a good thing because I would <laughs> about the uh, uh, the elections because I uh, I do feel a little I do feel a little better uh, because I think we do have um, the the mores of our society I think are important and this is why I often say that I think that. Competition is not a bad word. We we can't make it too easy on the next generation. By the way, that, John, we should have another another talk sometime on strictly social issues because I actually have a book that I could have written on social issues, on what's happening to society and why and whether it's good or bad. Uh, and that would be well, an interesting I agree one. I I think it's an important subject, and I think, uh, and I do have to uh, thank. I remind everybody that it's the Marine Corps birthday today, Semper Fi. And I think, uh, quite frankly, if it wasn't for the Marine Corps, I don't know where I would be. Uh, I'm I'd with you. I'm with you. And thank heavens for our armed forces. And if you were in the Marines, thank you so much, John. Thank you. Well, I thought when I was in there, I thought I was a hot shot 
person. Uh, I left uh, school because a coach uh, told me to do things which I should have been doing, and I went in the Marine Corps and found out I was a very ordinary person. So if it wasn't for uh, the Marine Corps, uh, I would I sure wouldn't be a coach because that's when I did my first coaching. So please tell your friends to join us next week. Have a blessed week. Remember the Almighty in your thinking, and let's be thankful that we have a free America, and God bless America. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Bye now. God bless America, John. It's a great answer.